Um, I read an awesome comic series. Uh, it's written... So the writer is uh, Ram V, who has been working on Catwoman and Swamp Thing. Uh, he did a book called These Savage Shores. All of this stuff. Um, but the book is by Boom is produced by Boom Studios, and it's called The Many Deaths of Layla Starr. It is a five-issue miniseries, and it is phenomenal. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a magical realism book. Uh, but basically, it's, it's set... Um, it's set in and around Mumbai. And it features... The personification of death is fired uh, from her job because the child is being born who is going to introduce immortality into the human race. And she's pissed. So, um, you know, the, the god, uh, you know, they don't really get into a lot of the... It's loosely based on sort of the Indian pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't really, it's sort of just like, yeah. Um, there's God, God. And then there's like the personification of death, the personification of life, yada, yada, yada. Uh, before she's escorted out of the building by security <laughs> in heaven, uh, she may, she asks, god's assistant for a favor and that is to she is to be installed on earth in a human body um she will become mortal and she's like just put me in a body near where this kid is being born i will take care of it um and uh the so she (laughs) This young woman named Layla Starr falls or jumps to her death out of this building and is pronounced dead and taken to this hospital. The personification of death is then installed into her body um, and she goes to try and kill the baby. Uh, But she can't bring herself to do it because reaping thousands of souls at a time is a different thing than standing there and choking a baby to death, you know? Um, so she flees from the hospital only to get hit by a truck. Um, so the personification of life brings her back, but years have passed. And this happens repeatedly, wherein she winds up getting pieced out and brought back. Uh, and she keeps intersecting with this, baby that she'd tried to kill um at various moments in his life and i the last issue had me in fucking tears um which admittedly like i don't you know things are fucked in general right now so it doesn't take a lot to make me cry (laughs) Yeah. at the moment um but no i mean it is it is an incredibly beautiful story and you know talks a lot about 
regret and um just it's it's phenomenal i it's one i cannot recommend enough the the trade paperback is coming out in january okay um i have i've already pre-ordered the trade paperback because this is the one i want on my shelf right uh you know i tend i tend to read things digitally um but this is one i i want on my shelf no no ifs ands or buts it's phenomenal where'd you so uh it's on comiXology okay um and everything um so all right so yeah it's i cannot recommend it enough um so uh Anyway, the, uh, um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, just read it. It's fucking, it's fucking amazing. Um, so, all right. Uh, I guess we should do this, huh? We should try. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe. The show that's... It's still going. It's... It is. We promise. I'm Max. I'm JR. I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. How's it going? Other than you just answered it, I guess. You're tired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's been an interesting an interesting few weeks. You know, we had we had scheduling issues one week. Uh-huh. That then, was me. Well, I mean, you know, shit happens. It's fine. Yeah. Um then September 11th and we'll get into why we'll get into the specifics. I mean, you know, it was just it felt like it did not feel good. To talk about it the day we would have recorded. Or, yeah. yeah. It was just, and, uh, you know, people might call us wusses for, or whatever for, or have any kind of take for how, like, whatever they want. I don't give a shit. To me, it was just like, I don't, I think I'll pass, thanks. That's good. You know, it was, it was the kind of thing, it being the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Yeah, that didn't um, help. If it were, if it were the 11th anniversary or whatever yeah. it would have been like it's fine it was circumstance eh. mm-hmm. but it being the 20th people were in their feelings and you know i try i try to be empathetic there were a lot of complicated feelings around september 11th and i did not want to run the risk that um uh, talking about this one issue was going to dredge some shit up for someone, even though the issue itself doesn't really have a lot, you know, a lot to it. There's, there's only a few things in the issue that I think could be a problem. Right. But 
I just, I thought maybe it was better to give it a miss. Um, now, we have some distance from the day. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we can talk about it and we can talk about all of the shit. But mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then the third, so, yeah. we- the third week missed was uh, you had a happy anniversary. Yes. I mean, as happy as one can when you can't go out to eat. Uh, well, you know, our daughter is too young to get vaccinated and there are so many kids getting the Delta variant that it's just, it's not a good idea. Um, so (sighs) I've got some shit that I'm going through as well. Uh, and, uh, I'll tell you, I don't think it would be too much easier but it would be at least an amount easier if uh, this also weren't still going the fuck on because people suck. Like, yeah. And at this point, it's like, well, it's a very complicated disease. And we don't, you know, at the beginning, it was there, like, we don't know what's going on. This thing is just happening. And now it's like, now it's a year and a half, more than a year and a half in. We know what's happening. We know what's why we're still doing this is because some of you people are be or some people are being assholes and even thinking about some of this bullshit raises my blood pressure yeah you're right i'm sorry i would i'm just saying it would be no no i understand i'm just saying it's so maddening (laughs) it would be just a touch easier to deal with some of my stuff if uh people sucked had any empathy for anyone else really that's the thing Um, I, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's, yeah, it's fucked up. Um, but anyway, please News! Go get vaccinated. Thank you. News. Yeah. Please go get fucking vaccinated. Fuck. Like if you are get have... vaccinated, wear a mask. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Yep. Okay, news. Let's get mad about something else. So anyway, you wanted to talk about Marvel Unlimited. So my fun thing before we go on to serious shit is I hate the new Unlimited logo. I think it's dumb and that's all I really got. I don't have a lot of like deep dives into why it's dumb. I'm not a designer, right? I'm not Mm -hmm. a graphics designer. I just know that I liked the other one more. Mm-hmm. And may and th- and I do not believe it is just like I'm old and you change something, although maybe. Um, <laughs> it might, it, 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 and I also I am completely aware of the fact that in t- two months I'm not going to give a shit. Like I'm not right. going to see it. I I just didn't like the ad campaigns that came out with the new logo. Like get unlimited and you'll get these unlimited exclusive comics. And I was like, I don't know why this ad irritates the shit out of me but something about it does and it was the look of it not the content um and then i was just like i hate this new logo and yeah again i got nothing more than that i just don't like it and uh i won't care in two months i know that (laughs) the new app pisses me off yeah um for one thing for whatever reason when I go to look at the books that I've read, it hasn't been showing me the books I've read. It's yeah. showed me some of them, but like for the con 
for the purposes of this show, none of the books I read showed up in the books I've read. It's all been stuff like there's stuff in there that predates stuff I read this past three weeks. Yeah. Um, but stuff I read just Friday to like, you know, reacquaint myself with some of this doesn't show up. Add to that the fact that um, the when you go to look for a series, it used to be that if you listed all of the series on Marvel Unlimited A to Z Sorry, I have a gnat. I'm swatting on my <laughs> uh, fucking gnats. Um, if you go to look at them listed A to Z it would show the list, and on the side, it would have all the letters. So if you needed to get two X-Men, you could <laughs> click the X on the side, and you'd be there. You'd have to scroll through the Xs, of which there are a lot. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah. That's gone. Uh... It's now just a list, starting at A. So if I need to get to Uncanny X-Men, I either need to search for it, which doesn't always guarantee success, yep. or I have to sit there scrolling for 25 goddamn minutes to get to the exits. <laughs> anyway. All right. That. So uh, the more serious topic is... Intellectual property law. Oh, yay. Um, so, everyone take your uppers. <laughs> You're gonna need them. <laughs> well, so I'm not I'm not going to sit here and try and exp explain everything that's going on because a that would be boring as shit and b oh, I wow. don't like I don't I don't understand every bit of it myself. But well, and a lot of it's like currently happening, right? Like it's develop it's developing story. But so the short version of the headline is Larry Lieber and the estates of Steve Ditko, Don Hack, Don Rico, and Gene Colan filed copyright terminations on a lot of the characters, including Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Falcon, Thor. Um, that is a big list. Captain Marvel. You know, big, big, big names. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just thinking of the, like, creator names you mentioned. Those estates well, yeah. being, like, who do you get? I mean, that's Man-Thing. That's a whole bunch of other things as well. Well, Don Hack co-created Iron Man. Um, you know, Does Hawkeye, he, uh, Black Nick, Widow. Nick Fury? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway. It, the the This is... This is a big thing. Yeah. So, fi they filed com copyright terminations. Marvel has sued to block those. That's the short version. Now, the long version is, in 1976, the Copyright Act of 1976 was passed, which updated copyright law in the United States and brought it more in line with the international standards. Um, before that, copyright law was based primarily on 
uh, on a on a law passed in 1909 and amendments thereupon, meaning that copyright law was based on a law written before things like radio and television and all of these other things existed. It was completely out of date. Um, and, you know, copyright law has been kind of an issue for a long time oh, yeah. uh, because they keep they keep moving the goalposts as far as wh- when things enter the public domain and so on and so forth, which is its own That's, yeah, quagmire. That's its own different issue, too, right. than what we're talk- going to be talking about today. Um, the, the thing about it is, so one of the, th- by and large, the Copyright Act of 1976 was a big win for, co- for companies, uh, because it extended copyrights and so on and so forth. But one of the provisions was a huge win for creators, and that was the concept of copyright terminations. So the way it works as a general rule is... I create a thing, whether it's a book, a screenplay, you know, yeah, whatever. A song. A song. A, uh, a I write a song and sell it to an artist. Yeah. Or, or I'm yeah. an artist who performed you know, the song. Perform, yeah. wrote and performed a song for a for a label or whatever else. Okay. I shop that around. I try to find somebody to publish it, to release it, to do whatever. That deal is predicated upon who I am. Mm-hmm. So if I'm some nobody, I'm getting fuck all. If I'm Stephen King or J.J. Abrams or, you know, whoever else, then yeah, I'm getting tons of fucking money. But generally speaking, a lot of these deals are made with people who are not really in a position to negotiate. So that's why in the world of at least literary publishing, there's a bunch of other people that help you with the publisher. Unfortunately, sometimes those people are employed by the publisher, but yeah, you don't get a lot of outside editors and uh, your agents are usually outside and they have to deal with anyway. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's how, you know, so you negotiate a deal you get paid an amount of money and maybe royalties or what have you. Yeah. Um, what copyright terminations allow is after the, 35 years after that, a creator is then able to file a copyright termination, which forces, and if it's allowed to go through, uh, the rights then revert to them. Okay? This, so, no creator is just going to sit on the rights to their property. They're they're going to do something with it because having the rights and not doing anything with them isn't making you any money. This allows them the opportunity to renegotiate the deal based that- on what the property is worth now yeah as opposed to what it was worth when they sold it in the first place and it's more it's a a much more of a licensing agreement too 
Like, well, you yeah. know, they 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 get to they can then license the rights to whomever, and uh, in a lot of these cases, it is it behooves the previous rights holder to get the rights back. Yeah. Um, and these, so a lot of these have started coming due over the last decade or so. Um, and we're starting, we're starting to see, um, the estate of Roderick Thorpe, uh, filed a copyright termination for nothing lasts forever. The book Die Hard was based on. We're seeing them for the book that, uh, the book Who Censored Roger Rabbit. We're seeing it for Beetlejuice and uh, Predator, Terminator, stuff like that. Yeah. And we, so like I said, it it is, it is in the creator's best interest to negotiate a new deal. It is in the studio or publisher or whoever's best interest to negotiate a new deal. Because if the termina- if the co- copyright termination goes through and uh, Roderick Thorpe gets back the rights, or Roderick Thorpe's estate gets the rights back to Nothing Lasts Forever, then that affects Fox's ability to release new versions of die, not only new diehard movies, but re-release the old ones on new formats and stuff like that. Yeah. So given the amount of money Fox has made from that, it behooves them to renegotiate the deal. Um, now, most things are fairly straightforward in that I create a thing and then I sell the rights to somebody else. Yeah. Comics are a bit stickier um because you are hired either as a an employee or as a freelancer by marvel or dc to write or draw or whatever for them and your creations enter into their shared universe and yada 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 um and this has been litigated within the last decade by the Kirby estate who tried, they've filed contract terminations on the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, you know, these things that Jack Kirby created and they lost. Um, eventually they reached a settlement, but they law they were not allowed to go through because Marvel said, and the court sided with them, that they were that those works were produced on a work for hire basis. So, um, that does not bode well no. for uh, the Liebers and the Ditkos and so on, um, because you know estab. Established precedent uh, means that they're going to have to make a very compelling case. Yeah. Uh, Especially when your compelling case, it. Who did Liebers? Who did the Liebers make? Create. 
Well, Larry Lieber created Thor, co-created Thor. Um, hang on. Thor's sticky because well, that yeah. was during the. So, like, I was gonna say, let me back up. You're going to have to make a hell of a more compelling argument because if if Stan Lee who was essentially the creative side of the company during its turmoil building years, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, who owned what, when, who creates what, when, did the company, did Timely, like, what was the difference between Timely and Marvel at that point? Like, all of that shit. Like, he, if he can't, if their estate can't make that argument in that under those sort of, unstable circumstances for the company then Mm -hmm. uh yeah by the time we're solidified you're gonna anything after 60 i'm gonna say seven you're gonna have a hard time arguing with that um but then thor is sticky because they've been doing thor comics forever too Mm -hmm. so like does it count if it was made in, well, I guess it did, you know, Iron Man sort of the same way and Doctor Strange sort of in the same way. It's like, if it, if it was in created for one of the Tales books or Journey into Mystery or one of those, like, does that make it, like, not such a sure bet because the company didn't know what the fuck it was doing at the time? Like... I don't. I, I don't it. think that enters. I don't see how that could possibly enter into it. But admittedly, I'm an I'm, idiot throwing shit at the wall. Um, the closest, the closest I come to intellectual property law is when my, when I was a kid, my mom worked for a law firm that did it. Mm. So I grew up around some of this stuff. Yeah, her firm. Uh, sued for um on behalf of cabbage patch kids to uh stop the garbage pail kids and stuff like that like you know so that's that is the that and the reading that i've done is the sum total of my understanding on this stuff so i don't know but um um i definitely think you're going to have a hard time finding a smoking gun for any of these people that or any of these estates that say definitively no they own the character and they or the character or the property and they get to decide what we do with it because this amount of time has passed both because i'm sure the documentation is fucked but also because it's so alien um well so much of it is he said he said said, yeah or what have you know stan lee has so mythologized early marvel in his favor yeah um that you know that's sort of the historical record as it were and anyone who anyone who offers a counter narrative has to work that much harder because Stan Lee has marketed himself as the driving force behind all of these things. You know, um, it is, it's, 
like I said, it's an uphill battle for them um, because Disney can afford to throw lawyers at the problem. Um, stuff like that. Plus the fact that, you know, I mean, any, any judge is going to be sitting there like, do I want Disney pissed off at me? <laughs> like, you know, um, and the answer to that is no, um, I, you know, unfortunately, ugh. but like, um, I, I will say, and I think you were going to bring it up, but I'm, I'm, and I might be stepping on you here is we don't need to cape for Disney, right? Yeah. Like we as consumers, cause that's all I yeah. am in this, right? We don't need to cape for Disney. They'll be fine no matter what happens. And I think, personally, that it wouldn't be a bad idea if these guys who are prop or if these folks who are probably getting screwed, um, based comparatively, like relatively to what the characters they created, characters and properties they created are worth now versus mm-hmm. what they got paid for then. No, absolutely. They got bent over and fucked Especially, they got fucked even then yeah they, got, they were getting fucked then, now but now it's just like no if you created captain america and it's now one of the most valuable properties on the planet or mm-hmm. spider-man is the second to mickey mouse like the most valuable property on the planet yeah. um everybody knows who spider-man is yeah. and if that that alone is worth so much that you're you're getting screwed no matter how much money you get paid. Let's just yeah. pay them some more. That's fine. Well, and you know, the the frustrating thing about it is that it is important to understand if you are um if you are caping for Disney, which again, I don't know. Look, we do we do a show about Marvel. We talk about Marvel. We talk about Disney a lot, but ultimately like I'm here cause I enjoy these characters and, but you know, fuck Disney. Fuck them. No, the best like, I can they say, are... the best I can say is by and large, they've done me pretty well as a comics person, a person mm-hmm. who likes and enjoys comics. They've done pretty well to entertain me when I go to a movie theater, which is nice but like but yeah not, which is nice but like there are other things about this company that piss me off let's not i i don't i don't to, i'm not i don't i'm not forming shit. some weird yeah. relationship with disney like no fuck them like i and i don't have em. a and i don't have a weird relationship with marvel the comics publisher either where right. it's like you know the other thing we could talk about is like how the Spider-Man movie rights are all up in the air again because whatever. I'm so tired. Um, but they, um, they're that way because the publisher fucked up in the late 80s, early 90s, almost went bankrupt, had to sell everything, and did, and now the rights are all screwy. So, right. and, and as much as I'm annoyed at Sony for making terrible movies, that's no... Reason into the Spider Verse, except for into the Spider Verse. Um, as much as and I'm annoyed, Mitchell's versus the machines. I did. I wasn't impressed. I thought it was fun. I loved it. Um, whatever. 
as much as I'm annoyed with Sony for making mostly bad Spider-Man movies, <laughs> I I I from a business standpoint, it's like this is their rights. They bought them at the time mm-hmm. when Marvel was dying mm-hmm. to save Marvel. Marvel got saved and now we're in this situation here. It's it behooves them to fight for Spider-Man, the second most valuable property on the planet. Like, well, that's, yeah, and that's that's the I'm thing. Not There's for no either one of these guys though. Like, fuck them both. So they're just... they're not going to. There is no world in which uh, this copyright termination goes through, and Disney does not make an effort. To keep the rights. Uh, None whatsoever. Like, the only reason... The only reason... uh, That... That there would be any risk... Of... Disney losing these characters outright... Would be... If the... If the estates and the artists and the writers in question were to say, I hate you so much that the amount of money you can provide me, which to be clear, would be vast, pales in comparison (laughs) to my desire to fuck you. Yeah. And I, and I don't. I don't see that happening. I I don't People gotta see eat, right. Like there's right. <laughs> there is absolutely no world in which Disney cannot find the number and provide it. Like right. for for these for these estates, there's just not. Um, no, because... I cannot imagine a situation where Disney, the biggest mega corporation on the planet, does not walk into that room and say, "Tell me a number." Yeah. Like, and probably doesn't even haggle. It's just like, tell me another, uh, tell me another number, $150 million. Cool. Here you go. Versus the billions that they're making off yeah. of these characters. There's, yeah. I cannot imagine a world in which that doesn't unless, happen. I mean, unless the, the, honestly, the only estate that I think would do that would only be if he were still alive, which is Jack Kirby. Mm. Kirby's the only guy I think who would look at them and go, ha, "Fuck you, <laughs> watch it burn." Yeah, <laughs> like, that I could that I could see, but but you know because he's dead and his family need the money or would like probably would like the money that he's owed. So, be and you know the the thing about it the thing about it is like we we are conditioned at this point. There was a very good point made on Twitter, um, which doesn't happen often. So mark it on your calendars. We are conditioned to think of art as content. Uh, Um, We think of it as a thing we are given by a company. And this is why a lot of people are caping for the company in all of this. Um is because we think of these characters and their stories as um, nothing more than content. And 
that winds up erasing the people who created it, who mm-hmm. put the effort in, you know. And yeah, sometimes some of this stuff, there's going to be a certain amount of paint by numbers. It's just going to be like, I don't know. Hyperion is Superman. He's just Superman. Just make a different costume for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. But like a lot of this stuff, people put their blood, sweat and, and tears into creating these characters and telling stories about them month after month after month. And if you are rooting for a multinational mega corporation to stomp on them and their heirs, despite the amount of money that they are making off of their work labor. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I feel like you're the, you're kind of the problem here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, stop fucking Disney doesn't care about you. Disney doesn't care about you. You are a number on a spreadsheet to them. Um, and you should be rooting for anything that makes them bleed a little. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah, that's that's the upshot of all of this is like. Is stop. Th- stop caring about the cold, unfeeling robot arm that shoves content down your throat. It's not your friend. Right. It's going to continue on. After you're gone, um, well, once it has ground everyone who fuels it into dust. (laughs) I was thinking, though, too, that. Wait, what was I thinking? Oh, shit, it died. Okay. Oops. Sorry. No, it's fine. It was probably. Nope. All the way gone. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Whatever works. Yep. Uh, comics? Yeah, I guess we should do that now. Okay. That is what this show is about, right? Apparently. Uh, I seem to recall that being the case. Mm-hmm. Marvel 2-in-1, number 53, has a cover by John Byrne and is written by Mark Grunewald and Ralph Macchio, penciled by John Byrne, inked by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Diana Albers and Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Roger Stern. Uh, Thing arrives at Project Pegasus to check in on Wondar, who is comatose and absorbing every form of energy around him. Uh, While this is going on, Dr. Leitner does some shady shit, including allowing in the Deathlock cyborg. Uh, And ancillary to all of that, Thundra uh, saves a wrestling promoter who offers to represent her. Um, The thing about all of this is that, for one thing... The Deathlock cyborg that we see here is not Deathlock. It what we wind up finding out over the course of whenever is that after Deathlock came to the present and was reprogrammed by the Fixer and Mentallo into trying to assassinate the president. 
God, comics are weird sometimes. Um, the Deathlock Cyborg was damaged. And Reed Richards worked out that there was only one person who could fix it. So he sent Thing to England um, to try and do so. And uh, blah, 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 blah. After all of that shit that we read a while back, uh, the Deathlock Cyborg was then taken and studied, as we will find out by the Roxxon Corporation. Um, <clears throat> and they built a robotic version of the Deathlock Cyborg. Um... As far as the first issue of a story goes, it's fine. Um, this whole Pegasus Saga thing annoys me because it feels a little plotting and like it's not going anywhere. And uh, eventually I'm sort of right about that. But as far as like a setup to have Wendell here as full Quasar and he feels like he feels like what I thought Quasar was, right? Up until, mm -hmm. and even including um, Annihilation Conquest, I want to say, is he's a bigger right. part of that. That, uh, you know, Superman... No, Phi Lavelle was Quasar in Conquest. Okay, because he died in the... He died in Annihilation. Right. Anyway, that, that's Whatever. Our... Uh, neither here nor there, but like that sort of Quasar where he's like, everyone with this level of power and like power set, you know, kind of gets compared to Superman. And that's, that's okay. I think that's a, if you're going to compare someone to a character, that's a good character to compare them to because A, everybody knows him. Um, and B, this is still in that vein. Mm -hmm. Wendell here is Superman with a little more focus or uh, upfront focus, which is to say of his responsibilities, but also be a little more upfront of like the joking around and having fun mm -hmm. um, than Superman is. I'm not saying that Superman doesn't have both of those things. I'm just saying that for him, it's a little more um, intangible like it's in it's it's part of who the character is for sure but like it's just not as uh forward from the character well yeah and i think i think a lot of that comes down to um i i think superman sort of has a uh there's an expectation that he is perfect Mm -hmm. And I think that mm -hmm. were he joking around, you know, I think I think it's one of those things that he does when he's comfortable with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if he were just doing the, if he were doing like Spider Man, mm -hmm. uh, that would be would, extremely unnerving for well, everyone would, around him. It would undercut. It would undercut his public persona mm -hmm. and he is only allowed the leeway that he has as a minority of one mm -hmm. in that world 
with the power to take over the world if he so chooses. He is only allowed the leeway that he's given because of his public persona. If people start to doubt that in any way, shape, or form, it's over for Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he keeps a lot back from everyone around him, uh, whereas Quasar doesn't... Yeah. Quasar doesn't have that issue. A, because he's human. And, and B, because he doesn't have the profile, right? Right. Like, um, yeah. And, you know, you can tell that Superman has those things in there in interactions with, like, Bruce and Diana because he trusts them. Even if Bruce doesn't trust anyone, um, he trust, he, Superman's like, you get it. You know I'm in here that you know in here i'm a person that right. likes a joke every now and again um right. but like especially if it's at bruce's um expense mm-hmm. um whereas wendell doesn't have any of that pressure to maintain right a because nobody knows at this point in the book nobody knows who quasar is he's been marvel boy for like 50 years Nobody gives a shit about Marvel Boy. Quasar's his chance to like reinvent who he is, and I think this is a—it's at least a very good first step. What do you tell? He's been he's been Marvel Boy for fifty years. <laughs> Has it? Would it? No. Who was he before? He was Marvel Boy before this, right? He was Marvel Boy for like ten minutes. Oh, okay. Because the Marvel Boy that was there in like the fifties and shit, yeah, was a different dude. Oh, who who killed himself fighting the Fantastic Four after he lost his mind? Oh, well, I yeah. forgot. That. Sorry, um, I just well shedding yeah. the Marvel Boy persona then is very good. You don't want to be yeah. associated with that, but also like so this Quasar has a lot of like leeway to like make who he wants to be, and I think that's an okay place for this character oh. to be. Oh, you wanged your elbow real good. It popped. Ooh. I, it was just you like even, you didn't even hit it on something. It just popped. Nope. It just I turn. I'm at. I'm at. I'm at the age now where like I move and then things pop. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Whatever. Uh. So yeah. Um. So, that brings us to Marvel Two and One Number Fifty Four which is penciled by John Byrne and Joe Sinnott and is lettered by John Costanza. The Deathlock robot, which again is not the Luther Manning Deathlock, is destroyed. Um, and they try, they try it. Wendell tries to keep the head intact so it can be questioned, but it self-destructs instead. Uh, in the process of the fight, though, Thing's arm is injured due to a point-blank blast from Deathlock's laser. Uh, Thundra meets some other wrestlers and kicks their asses, and we get the first appearance of Screaming Mimi, who will eventually become Songbird. Uh, The thing that I will mention, if you are reading this issue and you see the character of Titania, that is not the same character who becomes a She-Hulk villain and eventually marries Absorbing Man. Okay, I was going to ask char- about that. That character does not show up until Secret Wars. Um, 
So yeah, Bill Foster arrives at Project Pegasus, accompanying the villain Adam Smasher, and Dr. Leitner releases Nuclo to wreak some havoc around the project. And it's these issues that I think really... A lot of this feels very uh, filler. Nuclo and Nuclo and like the stuff with Solar and Claw, uh, all of that feels like filler. I feel like you could have done, you could have done Deathlock, then gone into Thundra, then done Lightner as the Nth Man, and it could have gone a whole lot quicker. Yeah. Uh, but we're just trying to fill some issues. So whatever. Um, the one thing I will say, Bill Foster does get a little bit of work done here, um, in these issues, uh, because in the next issue, we kind of address the whole black Goliath thing. Uh Um, and then later on we get some more with him. Um, I'm not a fan of all of it, but it is character work, so I guess that's something. It is something. Um, it's not the best thing, but uh, yeah, it is. It is nice to see them at least try. Um, right. And you can definitely tell they are trying with him. I don't know how successful it is, but like we're doing, we're doing something. Um, I right. kind of. The only thing about this character that I think is like definitely weird is that as a person he's still trying to have it both ways and Mm -hmm. not really getting it feels like he doesn't get the consequences of that and like how that makes your life complicated if you're going to try to be both bill foster and black goliath then shit's gonna get complicated right spider-man knows that cap Mm -hmm. deals with this shit all the time um and it just doesn't feel like uh he is grappling with that complication at all which i guess maybe is one of those well we've already seen that story over and over again with cap and and spider-man and everything else so let's just skip it and it's like well you can't because then we're missing it feels like a piece is missing out of the character it feels like a massive oversight yeah uh because because it is it's like you if you're gonna have a character with a secret identity he needs to have a you have to address this or not have it well yeah but like that's the thing is he needs to have a reason to have a secret identity that's the irritating thing with cap is like cap makes up reasons why he wants to still have the but they don't feel they the only one that ever feels earnest and like authentic is just i just want it like Mm -hmm. i just want the separation between steve rogers and captain america and i'm like okay that i buy but with and then with spider-man it's easy he thinks if anybody finds out everybody will die also fair um even if you know true or not that's that's a valid concern bill i don't know what what's your what's your reason for having a secret identity like and i don't know what it is he just doesn't want people to know he's black you think that'd go great on a resume hey man i'm a nuclear 
physicist who also or i am he's a biochemist biochemist with multiple degrees i also can increase my height up to 27 feet so you know if we need to um (laughs) like yeah oh yeah okay um i happen to be starting a supervillain project uh, we might need, or about, uh, I might, I happen to be starting a project that will probably attract some supervillains. You're on, <laughs> get yeah. on in. Um, I yeah, yeah. There's never been any stakes established for, for him. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that works out. I don't know. We will ma- monitor um, that situation as it progresses. He Bill Foster always feels like just a giant missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we're reaching the end of uh, characters who are black needing to have black in their name. Oh, thank God. Um, that that's good. Like yeah. that's not a thing we needed to keep doing, but whatever. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1 number 55 has a cover by Keith Pollard and is edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. Uh, Thing, Giant Man and Quasar go looking for Nuclo. Uh, While they do so, Thing basically says, you know, you don't have to keep doing this Black Goliath thing. Just call yourself Giant Man. I doubt Syria, like, Pim's not going by that. He's not going to give a shit. And Foster's like, okay, yeah, I'm Giant Man now. Cool. Um, Thundra, meanwhile, loses her first wrestling match due to Titania cheating and drugging her. Thing and Giant Man find Nuclo, and Giant Man pummels him into submission, which causes them to be rated, be berated by Nuclo's handler, Henry Sorrel. Uh, and Sorrel is just like, dude, uh, he's a child. Stop beating up that child, you <laughs> fucking maniac. And they're like, but he's like nuclear and going to blow the place up. And he's like, I was talking him down. What is the matter with you? And he's right. Oh, yeah. Um. And then at the end, Wondar, we kind of get a recap of Wondar's whole deal uh, and sort of see the greatest hits of Wondar's appearances and a voice tells him that when he re- when he wakes he will go and find the cosmic cube and blah 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 it's very ominous at the end um this is probably the thing that pays off the best is that if, i don't know if it is the next part or the next issue but uh when he wakes up and starts wandering through the halls very single-mindedly like Mm -hmm. because it's very like um ominous at the end of this issue and then that pays off into him just like dead not sprinting but just walking single-mindedly directly to the cube and yeah his power set now causes some problems on the way there but it's still kind of like okay what's going on wondar is this bad is this good Mm -hmm. what is this and you know that doesn't get resolved well actually no it still works 
because even after he gets the cube, he shows up, and much like we were talking with uh, Superman, he shows up with these incredible new powers that are really scary, and uh, I'm still on the edge of my seat being like, um, is this good? Is he Mm -hmm. bad now? Like, what's going on? Um, And we don't really get a resolution to that. (coughs) And I think that's okay. Having yeah. Wondar be out there ultra powerful and just having dis- having a the stated goal of making the world a better place without any context to what that means is right. like the kind of pseudo threat that I can get behind where it's just like, all right, cool. Because somebody can come and pick up that and do anything they want to with it. Right. And it's probably going to be neat or yeah. derivative but it'll be at least something there's there's legs there okay all right all right cool yeah yeah as a premise goes i'm on board yeah, yeah.